0: The Journey. iOS was first revealed in 2007, and has arguably become the most influential operating system in history. Before it existed, mobile phone software was cumbersome, complicated, and visually unappealing. But after its debut, the concept of a smartphone was completely redefined, with a touch-based operating system taking precedent over physical buttons. Eventually, the influence of iOS rippled across countless industries, from tablets, to watches, to cars, and even refrigerators. Since 2007, iOS has grown in many ways never expected. So let's take a look at how it ended up where it is today. Starting with its development in 2005. Only employees from within Apple were allowed to be on the iPhone development team, meaning there were no contractors, partnerships, or business acquisitions to aid in the effort. Steve Jobs wanted the project to be kept so secretive that even the people chosen for the team didn't know what they were working on. There were two groups assembled to create two different versions of iPhone. One worked on converting the iPod into a phone, while the other tried simplifying Mac OS X to fit it onto a touch-based phone. There were several variations of these two approaches, with people on the iPod team including a click wheel on the phone, while others on the same team tried optimizing the iPod interface to accommodate touch. Meanwhile, on the macOS 10 X team, John Rubenstein worked on developing a lightweight, Linux-based version of the OS, while Scott Forstall worked on developing a more streamlined version of Mac OS X to run on an ARM chipset. There were almost 20 different concepts, with many featuring a physical keyboard, since some team members didn't think customers would want to type on glass. The click wheel concept appeared to be a waste of time, but Steve Jobs insisted on prototyping everyone's ideas before making a final decision. And while you may expect this type of work environment to foster intense competition between teams, Tony Fidel, who then led iPhone development, said it was a competing set of ideas, not teams, and we were all working on it together. Once all was said and done, Jobs chose the macOS 10-based version of the operating system developed by Scott Forstall. It featured a completely touch-based interface, with a software keyboard and multi-touch gestures like pinch-to-zoom. It was revealed to the public in 2007 and shocked the entire tech industry. An engineer at Google said, As a consumer, I was blown away. I wanted one immediately. But as a Google engineer, I thought, we're going to have to start over. The iPhone's operating system redefined the concept of a smartphone. It featured a simple grid of colorful icons that made the device feel approachable and easy to use. Just tap the app you want to open and press the physical button to go back home. That may seem like an obvious concept in retrospect, but previous smartphones like BlackBerry were notoriously cumbersome to use. But despite its huge impact, it didn't have an official name. Apple simply said that the iPhone ran a version of OS X, which was the operating system used by Mac computers. This made sense from a marketing perspective, since aligning the iPhone with a desktop computer made the device appear more powerful. But from a practical perspective, no one knew what to call the operating system. And as companies like Google released the Android OS for competing smartphones, it was necessary for Apple to differentiate their offering. So in 2008, the iPhone received an updated operating system, this time with an official name, iPhone OS 2. This meant the original OS was retroactively named iPhone OS 1. The 2008 update introduced features that were crucial to the iPhone's success, primarily the App Store. It's hard to imagine the iPhone existing without the App Store, since the two have become so ubiquitous, but it was actually Steve Jobs who prevented an App Store from being developed in the first place. He believed creating and operating a huge marketplace of apps would be too complicated and difficult. Instead, he favored web apps, since they didn't require a software development kit, or SDK for short. Developers could simply utilize Web 2.0 and Ajax to create websites that functioned similarly to native iPhone apps. But developers weren't happy with this approach, since there were limitations to what web apps could do. With an SDK, support for features like inertial scrolling and data from sensors like the accelerometer would be accessible to developers, allowing them to create more fluid and functional apps. And that's exactly what happened with the App Store in iPhone OS 2. Jobs got on stage and admitted that web apps proved to be inferior to third-party native apps. And that an SDK was being prepared so developers could begin building apps for iPhone. When the App Store finally opened in July 2008, it experienced more success than anyone imagined. In fact, Apple didn't even expect the App Store to turn a profit. The original goal of the store was to simply attract more smartphone customers to iPhone. But Apple's plans changed when the store opened. There were 500 apps available at launch that were downloaded a combined 10 million times in just three days. At that point, Apple recognized the store's profit potential and spent millions in ads, which popularized the phrase, there's an app for that. But there was more to iPhone OS 2 than the App Store. It also introduced the screenshot feature, allowing users to take high-quality screen captures for the first time. And photo geotagging, which saved the GPS location data for every photo, so you could not only see when a photo was taken, but where. And for the first time, users could use a search field to find specific contacts instead of manually scrolling through the list. Mail also received a pretty big update. Previously, there was no way to view email attachments. But in iPhone OS 2, Apple began support for iWork and Microsoft Office attachments in Mail, which was a step in the right direction that would be expanded upon in future updates. They also added a better way to manage your mail with bulk delete and move, which allowed users to quickly select multiple emails to delete or move all at once. And image attachments could be saved to a user's photo library by simply holding down on the image and tapping save. Parental controls were added for the first time in iPhone OS 2, which allowed parents to set certain restrictions on apps and purchases. But the feature that received the most applause was actually the calculator. It was updated with a scientific mode that could be activated by simply rotating the device, a feature that still exists today. And the reason why iPhone 3G could be so successful abroad was because of new language support in iPhone OS 2. Without it, users in Japan, China, and Korea wouldn't have been able to even type on the device. The new update was free for iPhone, but cost $9.95 for iPod Touch users. This was because of an accounting requirement that treated iPhone differently than iPod Touch, since one could be paid in installments over 24 months, while the other could only be purchased up front, paid in full. It's a legal restriction that doesn't exist today, but did exist back in the 2000s and resulted in some confusion among iPod Touch users. The following year, in 2009, the iPhone was selling in 80 countries around the world, making iPhone OS the most popular smartphone platform globally. And when it came to the free SDK Apple introduced with iPhone OS 2 that allowed developers to build apps, it had been downloaded over 800,000 times in just one year, with 62% of those developing software for an Apple product for the very first time. As a result, the App Store grew from just 500 apps at launch in 2008 to over 25,000 in 2009, with iPhone OS users downloading those apps over 800 million times in just eight months. It was clear Apple was onto something big, and iPhone OS 3 built on these successes to help take iPhone to the next level. But it wasn't all good. The first new feature Apple announced was in-app purchases. And on the surface, the feature seemed like a good idea. In-app purchases allowed developers to charge for subscriptions, new levels or items, and additional app content. For example, a magazine could offer their monthly subscription service from within their app. Or a game developer could offer new weapons or maps for a small fee. And ebook stores could offer multiple books for sale within a single app, instead of selling a different app for each book. The use of in-app purchases made sense for certain developers in specific circumstances. But Apple didn't implement any regulations or rules for when the feature could be used. So naturally, it was exploited by developers to generate as much money as possible. Games began adopting a free-to-play model, where users could download the app for free, but then were inundated with microtransactions, whether to purchase in-game currency, items, or characters. Some games even limited the amount of time users could play it, requiring a purchase to unlock additional playtime. Other apps, especially in the productivity category, would advertise a specific feature, like photo editing, but then lock the capability behind a paywall once users downloaded the app, requiring a one-time fee or even a subscription to simply edit photos. This was when the App Store went from being simple and fun to confusing and frustrating. It's something the App Store still struggles with today, and it's why many longtime iPhone users look back on in-app purchases with bitterness. But there was a brighter side to iPhone OS 3. It introduced push notifications to third-party apps for the first time. Previously, only Apple's own apps could send text and audio alerts with red notification badges. In order to scale the feature to developers, Apple had to completely re-engineer their server system to accommodate the onslaught of additional push notifications without negatively affecting users' battery life. And if that sounds like a crucial feature that should have been available at launch, then you may be surprised that cut, copy, and paste was also introduced in iPhone OS 3, over two years after the original iPhone was released. The audience applauded when Scott Forstall announced it, since the feature had been highly requested and already existed on Android. Landscape mode was also expanded in iPhone OS 3. Previously, only Safari supported landscape view, but users enjoyed the widescreen aspect ratio and the larger keyboard that appeared while typing in landscape. So Apple carried the feature over to other native apps like Mail, Notes, and Messages. Speaking of messages, it received a large upgrade in iPhone OS 3 since Apple added support for MMS, transforming the app from a simple SMS text messenger to a richer multimedia experience, since it finally allowed users to send photos, contact cards, audio files, and locations from within a message. Also, Apple created a completely new app for iPhone OS 3 called Voice Memos, which allowed users to record, trim, and share audio clips captured from the internal microphone or even an external mic through the 30-pin connector. And iPhone OS 3 expanded the search function previously introduced in the Contacts app to all key iPhone apps, including Mail, Calendar, iPod, and Notes. But Apple went even further. In addition to searching within apps, they created a system-wide search feature called Spotlight, which was activated by swiping left from the home screen. Now in 2010, Apple really began to modernize the iPhone's operating system. Not only because of its new features, but the name itself. Everyone expected this year's upgrade to be called iPhone OS 4, but instead, Apple named it iOS 4, and It had included a long-awaited feature called multitasking. Android had multitasking on their platform for years, but Apple claimed it came at too high a cost, like excessive battery drain and reduced processing performance. They claimed multitasking in iOS 4 was built in a more efficient way, and that's why it took longer to implement. Either way, the feature solved a problem many users experienced every day. For example, if they tapped a website link in an email, they'd end up in Safari with no way to quickly jump back to the Mail app. Instead, they'd have to press the home button and find the Mail app to enter it again. This often made using iPhone feel slow and inconvenient, which was why multitasking was such a crucial feature. In iOS 4, users could simply double click the home button to find a drawer of recently used apps. From there, they could quickly tap the previous app they were using, or scroll to find a different one. Custom home screen wallpaper was also added for the first time in iOS 4. Users could finally replace the plain black home screen background to something more personal and appealing. And because users were downloading apps in such large quantities, iOS needed a better way to organize them. That's why Folders was created. Instead of swiping between nine homepages of apps, users could just tap and drag an app on top of another, and a folder would be created, automatically using a name based on the category of apps inside, although users could customize the folder's name if they'd like. Since each folder held up to 12 apps, every iPhone was capable of holding 2,160 apps, a huge increase over the previous 180 app maximum. Another big update to iOS 4 was a unified mail inbox. Previously, each email account managed by the Mail app had separate inboxes, with users having to switch between each one to check all their new emails. But in iOS 4, Apple added a unified inbox area which combined all the email accounts into one, giving users a much easier and faster way to view and respond to new emails. Users could also open attachments with apps for the first time. For example, if a user received an Omnigraph file in an email, they could simply tap the attachment and open it in the Omnigraph app already downloaded to their iPhone. iOS 4 also received a couple completely new apps. The first was iBooks, which originally debuted on iPad but was carried over to iPhone. So users could start a book at home on their iPad and pick up where they left off on their iPhone. The second was Game Center, which added a social media element to iOS gaming. Users could see their friends' progress and achievements in certain games, and even invite them to play. Game Center could even match two people of similar skill levels to play against each other. Apple also introduced a new mobile advertising service for developers called iAds. They spent $275 million to acquire a company called Quattro Wireless to make the service possible iAds aimed to combine the emotion of television ads with the interactivity of internet ads, resulting in a seamless and effective ad experience that developers could use to make money. But the service never caught on, mainly because spending money to advertise inside an app exclusive to one platform wasn't appealing to companies who'd rather put their ads on Google search results which was accessible from any device or operating system. The following year, in 2011, iPhone users had one of their biggest complaints addressed in iOS 5. You see, apps were already wildly popular, and with the introduction of push notifications for third-party apps in iOS 3, users were having trouble managing the countless notifications being pushed from all their apps. So in iOS 5, Apple introduced Notification Center, which was a single place that users could find all their notifications, and it could be accessed from anywhere by simply swapping swiping down from the top of the screen. Apple even added weather and stock widgets at the top of Notification Center, and they changed how notifications appear. Instead of a pop-up window that interrupts what you're doing, notifications simply roll in from the top in a much more discreet way, allowing you to continue playing a game or reading a book without something getting in the way. Apple also introduced notifications on the lock screen, which allowed users to quickly see what they missed while their phone was asleep. And if they wanted to take action, a user could simply swipe their finger across any of the notifications and go straight to the app that it's from. A new feature that wasn't as exciting was Newsstand, which was a folder on a user's home screen designed to hold various magazine subscriptions, newspapers, and journals. But most people were confused what exactly it did. Because Newsstand didn't function like other iOS apps. It couldn't be dropped into a folder with other apps, and it couldn't be deleted or removed. It was essentially a permanent folder on a user's home screen that would remain empty unless magazine subscriptions were purchased resulting in complaints from users who felt Newsstand was a useless eyesore that added clutter to their home screen. And with the rise in popularity of Twitter, Apple integrated the service right into iOS 5, giving users the ability to sign in just one time in settings and save their credentials for any third-party app that needs it. It also became possible to tweet images directly from the Camera and Photos app, tweet articles or websites from Safari, tweet videos from YouTube, and tweet about businesses and location from Maps. Plus, iOS could automatically update a user's iPhone contacts with photos from corresponding Twitter accounts. And Safari received a new feature called Reader View which would take an article from a web page and put it front and center removing all the ads and distractions plus reader view would automatically change and resize the typeface for an optimal viewing experience on iPhone there was also a new reading list feature where users could save articles and stories for later all links added to reading list were updated across the user's devices including Safari on Windows so they could be accessed from anywhere iOS 5 was also the first time tabbed browsing was available, although the iPhone had such little RAM that tabs would often have to be reloaded when a user went back to it. There was also a new app called Reminders, which let users store their grocery lists and post-it notes right on their phone. It featured time-based reminders that would alert the user at a specific date and time, but also location-based reminders that would set up a geofence at a certain location and alert the user once they entered or left that area. For example, iOS could remind a user to call their spouse after leaving work, or remind them to take the meat out of the freezer once they got home. Another major upgrade in iOS 5 was the camera. Which, for the first time, featured a shortcut on the lock screen. So users could quickly wake their phone and launch the camera app without missing the special moment they're trying to capture. It even bypassed the user's passcode. So anyone could take a picture quickly without seeing previous photos or having access to other functionality on the phone. And once inside the camera app, you could use the volume up button to take a photo instead of the touch screen button. Something you can still do in iOS today. And optional grid lines were added so users could compose a photo just right, pinch to zoom was added, and an auto exposure plus auto focus lock was added so the camera didn't keep changing up exposure and focus once a user set it just right. iOS 5 was also the first time any sort of photo editing was possible inside the native photos app. You could crop and rotate, remove red eye, and use the one tap enhance feature pioneered on macOS. A system-wide dictionary was added to iOS 5, so users could highlight a word in any app and a define button would appear. Tapping it would bring up a dictionary entry for that word. And for the first time ever, iPhones could be set up and operated without plugging into a PC. One of the main attractions with the original iPhone was sync with iTunes, where users could plug into their computers and move over all their music, contacts, calendar information, and more. It was the same approach Apple took with iPod. But that method was becoming inconvenient on modern iPhones. For example, users who purchased a new iPhone were forced to plug it into a computer that had iTunes, even if they were just replacing an existing iPhone that had all the information they needed. And every time an iPhone needed a software update, it had to be connected to iTunes again. So users felt tethered to a computer that they may not even use anymore as people began transitioning to mobile devices like iPads and iPhones. So in iOS 5, Apple cut the cord, allowing iPhones and iPads to be set up and updated completely independent of iTunes or a computer. This was a huge change that really put mobile devices on the same level as computers, since one was no longer bound to the other. When it came to Game Center, over 50 million people signed up for the service since its debut in iOS 4 just nine months earlier. And Apple added a few new capabilities, like profile photos, achievement points, friend recommendations, and game recommendations, which allows you to find and download new games from within the Game Center app. Finally, turn-based game support let users keep track of whose move it was in which game. But most importantly, iOS 5 marked the debut of perhaps the most important iPhone feature in North America, iMessage. Until this point, all messages sent from iPhone were green. That's why the Messages app itself is green instead of blue. But with iMessages, Apple created a completely new messaging service that worked between iOS users, including iPad and iPod Touch, in a very unique way. It not only allowed for texts, photos, videos, contacts, and group messages like iPhones always had, but it expanded functionality to include delivery receipts, read receipts, typing indication, synced conversations that were updated across all devices, and it was completely end-to-end encrypted. Now, by 2012, Apple had sold over 365 million iOS devices, with more than 80% of those running the latest operating system, iOS 5. This was a unique strength of Apple's platform compared to Google's, which was constantly struggling with fragmentation issues. Only 7% of their user base was upgraded to the latest version of Android, which was introduced about the same time as iOS 5. This discouraged developers from making apps taking advantage of Android's latest features, and forced them to optimize their apps for older versions of Android. During this same period, Apple introduced iPhone 4S, which added exclusive support for a new voice assistant called Siri. But many people were confused why the feature wasn't made available to other devices like the iPod Touch, iPad, or even older iPhone models. Many speculated that it was a ploy to boost sales of iPhone 4S, but Apple never gave an official reason. But for the latest version of iOS, iOS 6, Apple brought Siri to the newest iPad model and made the assistant more knowledgeable about sports, restaurants, and movies. Siri could even launch apps, all with a simple voice command. And Apple partnered with select car manufacturers to launch a feature called Eyes Free, where a dedicated Siri button would be integrated into a car's steering wheel so drivers could interact with Siri while keeping their eyes on the road and their iPhone's display turned off. And just like how Apple integrated Twitter into iOS 5, they did the same thing with Facebook and iOS 6, allowing users to use single sign-on and post content to Facebook directly from iPhone's native apps. The iPhone app was updated with new reply features for incoming calls, like Reply with Message and Remind Me Later, allowing users to quickly send a text message to someone calling them or reminding the user to call them back later. And as people have been receiving more notifications than ever before, they've realized that sometimes they'd rather not be disturbed at all. Which is why Apple introduced Do Not Disturb in iOS 6, which silences incoming calls, messages, and notifications, but shows the user what they missed when they're ready to wake their phone again. Now when the iPhone 4 was introduced in 2010, Apple created FaceTime to take advantage of its new front-facing camera, and in 2012, improvements were made to the service that made it more useful. At first, FaceTime was only available over Wi-Fi, but in iOS 6, it was possible to make FaceTime calls over cellular. Apple also allowed users to unify their phone number and Apple ID, which meant someone could answer a FaceTime call made to their iPhone on their iPad or Mac instead. The same functionality was introduced to iMessage also, making the experience of messaging and FaceTiming across all your devices more seamless. Safari also received some big updates in iOS 6, like iCloud tabs, which sync to users' Safari tabs across all their devices, and offline reading lists, which downloads and saves stories added to Safari's reading list. That way, users can access and read them without an internet connection. And uploading photos to websites through Safari was finally made possible on iOS 6. Smart app banners were also introduced, which displayed a link directly to the native app of a specific website, giving users a more optimized experience and developers more downloads of their app. Mail received a new VIP mailbox, which notified users of new emails from certain senders and placed stars next to their email in the unified inbox area for easy identification. Apple also added a new way to insert photos and video into the compose window along with a pull to refresh feature to check for new emails. Next iOS 6 introduced a completely new app called Passbook, which kept a user's movie tickets, boarding passes, and rewards cards all in one place. But it could also intelligently suggest passes based on the time and user's location. For example, a movie ticket would show up on the lock screen once the user arrived at the theater. Now, the most talked about feature on iOS 6 was the new Maps app. Since Apple's contract with Google had expired, resulting in the native YouTube app being removed and the Maps app using data from Apple instead of Google. At first, users were excited about the switch, since it meant the introduction of features like turn-by-turn navigation, allowing people to ditch their Garmin GPS and use their iPhone instead. And there was Flyover, a 3D rendering of the most iconic cities in the world, something Google Maps never had. But once iPhone users began using the new Maps app for themselves, the rosy picture Apple painted during its introduction began to crack. Screenshots of buggy satellite images began to go viral, along with silly errors like Kyiv, the capital city of Ukraine, being misspelled as Kilv, or the Welsh town Poniprid being shown six miles northeast of its actual location. The English town Stratford-upon-Avon was missing altogether in Apple Maps, and when users looked up London, they were directed to the Canadian city of London, Ontario, instead of the capital of the United Kingdom. Countless Apple Maps errors made their rounds on the internet, and the app became a laughing stock, which helped make Google Maps the most downloaded free app in the iOS App Store. It became such a big issue that Tim Cook published a letter of apology on Apple's website on September 28, 2012, just nine days after iOS 6, and with it, Apple Maps, was released. In the letter, Cook said, At Apple, we strive to make world-class products that deliver the best experience possible to our customers. With the launch of our new Maps last week, we fell short on this commitment. We're extremely sorry for the frustration this has caused our customers, and we're doing everything we can to make Maps better. This response was standard for Apple, but he went on to say something that surprised many. Cook wrote, While we're improving maps, you can try alternatives by downloading map apps from the App Store like Bing, MapQuest, and Waze, or use Google or Nokia maps by going to their websites and creating an icon on your home screen to their web app. That's the part of the letter which created controversy among Apple fans and shareholders. Not many CEOs would give their customers explicit instructions to use their competitors' services. And no one liked this less than Scott Forstall. The man who not only introduced Apple Maps, but led the team in developing it. Anonymous sources told The Verge that Forstall thought complaints over Apple Maps errors were overblown. A belief he held so strongly that he refused to sign Tim Cook's letter of apology. Many inside Apple felt this was the last straw for Forrestal, who developed enemies among the company's executive team over the years. Even Jonathan Ive, Apple's longtime head of industrial design, allegedly refused to attend meetings in the same room as Forrestal unless Cook was there to mediate. And since he refused to sign the letter of apology, Cook decided to remove Forstall from Apple's team entirely, with his 2013 departure being announced on October 29, 2012, just one month after Apple Maps was released. This shakeup of Apple's executive team had a dramatic impact on the following version of iOS, as Jonathan Ive took over software design in addition to hardware. You see, there was a long-standing dispute over the interface of iOS. Steve Jobs and Scott Forstall favored skeuomorphism, or software features that mimicked physical objects, like a Notes app that looked like a real notebook, complete with leather stitching. But there was an opposing view that favored minimalism and simplicity, of which Jonathan Ive was an advocate. And since he took control of iOS's user interface from Scott Forrestal, iOS 7 became a highly anticipated release. And the hype was well worth it, since in 2013, iOS 7 proved to be the most dramatic change to the iPhone's operating system since the original release in 2007. Its introduction video earned Apple a standing ovation, and Tim Cook an I Love You. This, thank you, this major effort. The interface of iOS 7 was completely changed, transitioning from a skeuomorphic design full of reflections, shadows, and textures to a completely minimal and flat design. Craig Federighi even said this during the reveal. And Game Center. We just completely ran out of green felt and wood as well. This has got to be good for the environment. But there was more to iOS 7 than its appearance. Apple added some incredible new features that elevated the platform to a new level, starting with Control Center. By swiping up from the bottom of iPhone's screen, users could access shortcuts to their most used features, like Wi Fi, Bluetooth, airplane mode, brightness, and music playback. You could even turn on a flashlight and access the calculator from Control Center. This was also the first version of iOS that included artificial intelligence, that could predict what app you might use depending on the time of day. That way, it could keep the most relevant apps up to date with background refreshing, while ignoring ones you're less likely to use, which saved battery life. And one of the most crucial features on the platform was introduced in iOS 7, AirDrop. It allowed people to share files with nearby iOS users with just a tap. This was in response to an Android file sharing feature that required users to touch their devices together, which is why Craig Federighi clarified this. And you know if you want to share with multiple people, you just tap, tap, tap. No need to wander around the room bumping your phone. The camera also received a big update, featuring a much simpler way to switch between modes. Previously, users had to tap the options button, then select panorama for pano mode, or they'd have to tap a toggle in a different area to enter video mode. But iOS 7 consolidated all the camera modes in one place, so users could quickly and easily swipe between them. Live photo filters were also added to the camera, allowing users to take black and white photos or classic recolored photos on the fly without any separate editing required. And all these photos could be accessed in a completely reimagined Photos app. Previously, in iOS 6, users had to scroll through an endless wall of photos that was simply ordered chronologically. But iOS 7 took existing data from each photo to organize users' libraries in a much more natural way, with something Apple called Moments. It recognized where and when photos were taken and grouped them together based on that information. So photos taken at, say, Baker Beach on May 18th would be grouped together and labeled with that date and location. This not only provided a more enjoyable photo experience, but also a faster one. The new Photos app let users zoom all the way out to view their collections by year. And holding down on the mosaic of small photos would display a larger preview, letting users quickly scrub through a large number of photos to find just the right one. iOS 7 also introduced shared photo streams, so a group of friends or family could all contribute their own photos to a larger collection. Perfect for making sure everyone had all the vacation photos taken by different people. In Siri not only received a new interface in iOS 7, but also an improved voice, which sounded more realistic than before. Hi Eddie, what can I do for you? Plus an optional male voice was added. Hi Eddie, what can I do for you? And Siri could do more than ever before, like playing voicemails, increasing display brightness, or turning on Bluetooth. Apple also added Twitter integration, Wikipedia results, and web results from Bing allowing Siri to answer more trivial questions. And iOS 7 was the first time CarPlay was ever announced, although it had a different name. Apple initially called the feature iOS in the car, and aimed to make it easier and safer than ever to get directions, play music, and reply to messages, all eyes free through Siri. And the App Store finally received automatic app updates, so users would no longer be bothered by an endless amount of red badges reminding them to update their apps. Now, iOS 7 was well-received among casual iOS users, but there was a segment of the tech community that hated the new user interface, with some even refusing to upgrade from iOS 6 altogether. That's why you might hear people say, iOS 6 was the best version, or everything started going downhill after iOS 6. And while the new interface did represent a dramatic shift to Apple's software design language, it also represented something deeper that bothered many who'd followed Apple since the early days. iOS 6 was sort of the last remnants of Steve Jobs' influence at Apple. He and Scott Forstall had created similar software for the iPod, Mac, and even Next computers in the 90s. So transitioning away from that legacy was difficult for many people who felt nostalgia for the Jobs era. Some even thought Apple would begin going downhill, and Scott Forstall would return to Apple a decade later to save it, similar to what Jobs had done in the late 90s. But again, that was just a desire to relive old moments in time. So while iOS 7 was the most controversial release, it's proven to have been the right direction for Apple. Now despite all that drama and resistance to iOS 7, almost 90% of all iOS users had upgraded to it by 2014, just nine months after its release. So it was clear that users were happy with the new interface and features. And iOS 8 took things just a little bit further. It introduced interactive notifications, which allowed users to pull down on a notification to take actions, like replying to a message or accepting a calendar invitation, all without leaving the app they were in. This also worked right from the lock screen, and Apple added a contacts shortcut in the app switcher for the first time, and the last time, since the feature was later removed in iOS 9. There was also convenient new gestures in mail to mark messages as unread, flag them, or delete them entirely, all with just a swipe. The keyboard in iOS 8 received QuickType, which predicted the word a user might want to say next, so they could simply tap it rather than manually typing it out. And continuity made switching between Apple devices more seamless than ever, since you could start creating something like a Pages document on your iPhone and pick up where you left off on your iPad. Messages received several enhancements in iOS 8, like new group messaging features that allowed users to name threads, add and remove people from a conversation, put specific group messages on Do Not Disturb so that endless onslaught of notifications could be silenced, and users could decide to leave the group entirely. Apple also added Tap to Talk, which recorded a user's voice to quickly send audio messages back and forth. And a new app called Health was added to iOS 8 which was a single place for all a user's health data. Previously, information from different health accessories were stored in different apps, and there was no way to consolidate all this data in one place that could give users a more complete look at their health profile. Well, by connecting those third-party apps with the health app, users could finally have one place to view that data. And they could even give healthcare professionals permission to access health app information in real time, so they could receive more timely and effective care. There were also helpful family sharing features added in iOS 8. Where multiple devices could be set up as a single family unit, which automatically enabled a shared photo stream, shared calendars, a shared reminder list, and even a Find My Friends map with family members locations in addition to the location of their devices. But even more impressive was that Apple allowed family members to access each other's music, movie, and TV show purchases, making it easier than ever to share digital media. And because all the accounts shared the same credit card, children wouldn't be able to buy an app or movie without receiving express permission from their parent first, who would be sent a notification that their child is requesting to purchase something. Photos also received an update with iCloud integration that allows users to access their photos from any device. And new editing features that gives users much more granular control over photo edits than in iOS 7. Although this is when the dreaded iCloud storage almost full alerts became a widespread issue. Mainly because the new iCloud Photos feature quickly took up users 5GB of free storage space. Once it was full, other features like iCloud backups couldn't be used. But Apple was happy to offer a solution in the form of a subscription service. For 99 cents a month, users could receive 20 gigabytes of storage, and for $399, dollars 200 gigabytes. Apple Pay debuted for the first time on iOS 8, allowing users to link credit and debit cards and simply tap their iPhone to a compatible payment terminal to use them. Finally, iOS 8 also added new capabilities to Siri, like Hey Siri support if your device was plugged in, and Shazam Song recognition. But it wasn't until iOS 9 that Siri got a lot smarter. First, it featured a new interface that moved away from the monochrome waveform to a more colorful one. And it got 40% faster with 40% less voice recognition errors. It understood location and time-based requests, like searching for photos you took at a certain place, or setting a reminder once you got back to your car. You could even ask Siri, remind me about this when I get home. And it would understand what web page you're viewing at that moment and set a reminder with a link to that website. And this contextual intelligence was implemented throughout the entire operating system. For example, if the first thing you do every morning is plug in your headphones and go for a run, iOS would automatically bring up media controls when you connected your headphones. If you typically listen to audiobooks in the car, then the media controls will switch to your audiobook when you get in the car. And if someone emailed you a calendar invite, iOS 9 would automatically create an event inside the calendar app and even set a reminder to leave on time. And if a random number called you that matched a number from an email you've received, iOS will suggest who might be calling. And when you swipe left from the home screen, the search area now features Siri suggestions, which, depending on the time of day and your location, recommends contacts, apps, and places you might be interested in. And of course, all this intelligence data is kept on your device, with Apple or third parties not having any access to it. Now with the growing popularity of Apple Pay, the Passbook app began to function more like a wallet, since it stored users' credit and debit cards more often than boarding passes. So in iOS 9, the app's name changed from Passbook to Wallet, making it clear that Apple intended to replace the physical wallet with a digital one instead. The Notes app received several enhancements, like a new toolbar that made formatting notes easier, allowing users to add checklists, add photos and video, and even draw diagrams with their finger. Even Safari allowed links to be saved directly to a note. Apple Maps received a new public transit feature, which includes accurate station entrances and exits so you don't need to walk further than necessary, although the feature was only initially available in ten cities worldwide. And iOS 9 featured a completely new app called News, which allowed users to choose which publications they read most often, and formatted those stories in a more appealing and interactive way than they'd typically experience on the web or even in a publication's native app. Low power mode was also brought to iOS for the first time, which provided users with an additional three hours of usage. And upgrading to iOS 9 only required 1.3 gigabytes of free space on users' devices instead of the 4.6 gigabytes of space needed to download iOS 8, which made it much more accessible to older iPhones that may only have 16 gigabytes of internal storage. And, Apple Music was introduced for the first time on iOS 9, which was a music streaming subscription service designed to compete with Spotify. Now in 2016, iOS 10 was designed with the recently released iPhone 6S in mind, because it introduced a faster Touch ID sensor that unlocked the device so quickly that users didn't get to see their notifications before being directed to the home screen. So Apple created a feature called Raise to Wake, which allowed users to see what's on their lock screen without pressing a button. By simply raising their iPhone, the display would turn on and users could easily check any notifications. And because of the 6S's new 3D Touch feature, iOS added Peek and pop, which allowed users to press a notification to preview it and take actions, like responding to a text or seeing a live status update of their Uber car right from the lock screen. Control Center was also redesigned and featured a media control panel that users could swipe to access. And for the first time, users could simply swipe left on the lock screen to access the camera, while sliding to the right allowed users to see their widgets. And in iOS 10, Apple did something fairly unexpected by opening up Siri to developers, allowing users to send WeChat messages or even book an Uber ride all through Siri. QuickType also became smarter with a deeper understanding of sentence context and the ability to share your location, contact information, and recent addresses at just the right time depending on the conversation. In Photos, the new Places map allows users to see where their photos were taken, and Facial Recognition automatically builds albums based on individual people, even matching faces to names based on photos in your contacts list. And the same deep learning technology is applied to objects and scenery. So iOS knows what's in the photo, like a horse, water, or a mountain. And this enabled a feature called Memories. Which groups photos together based on places, people, and topics. Then creates a movie so you can experience past memories in a way never before possible. The Maps app was redesigned and updated with more advanced search features. It included traffic on route and a new dynamic view to better see which street to turn on and what traffic looks like further ahead. There are also quick controls that show you gas stations or food along your route, and Maps will tell you how much longer the trip will take if you stop there. Now, the iOS in the car feature introduced back in iOS 7 had since been renamed CarPlay and was available in most new vehicles. But iOS 10 added a new feature that allowed turn-by-turn directions to be displayed in the car's instrument cluster, although the feature was only ever implemented on a few cars. At this point, Apple Music had been out for a year and accumulated 15 million paid subscribers. The app's interface was completely redesigned, and navigation became much simpler and more intuitive. The news app also received a facelift, along with support for subscriptions and breaking news notifications. And a completely new app called Home was introduced in iOS 10, which gave users a place to organize and control their smart home accessories. Scenes could be created which saved settings for a group of accessories for a specific purpose, like turning off all the lights and locking the front door before bed. And these scenes could be controlled through Siri or even in Control Center. And interactive notifications allows HomeKit doorbells to deliver a live video feed inside a notification right from the lock screen. But one of my favorite features of iOS 10 was voicemail transcriptions in the phone app. Users no longer had to spend time listening to each and every voicemail. Instead, they could be transcribed into text, allowing voicemails to be read quickly and easily. And with the rise of robocalls, iOS could mark suspicious numbers as possible spam calls. In messages, sending links became much more appealing, since support for rich links allowed for photos and video from that link to be displayed right in the message. And if you sent a string of three emoji or less, they would be displayed three times larger in the message field. Plus, QuickType could suggest emoji you might want to use based on what you're saying. And if you select the emoji keyboard after typing a message, it would highlight words that you might want to change to an emoji, which users could do with just a tap. Bubble effects also came to messages in iOS 10, which animated users' message bubbles to communicate their point more effectively. And tab back allowed for quick reactions to texts that might not need a written response. But sometimes a personal response is needed, which is why handwritten messages were introduced, to give a personal touch that can't be captured through text. Also, full screen effects were added, like fireworks, balloons, or confetti. Now even though Messages already received a big update in iOS 10, Apple took things even further in 2017 with iOS 11. They added an app drawer so users could quickly access third-party apps, stickers, and GIFs. And finally, Apple brought Messages to iCloud, so when you sign in to a new device, all your previous messages and conversations will be synced. Apple Pay was integrated into Messages with the ability to send and receive money, similar to Venmo or Cash App. Siri received new, even more natural sounding voices, plus a brand new interface and the ability to translate. The camera app now captures photos and video in new file formats that result in two times better compression taking up half the storage space on your iPhone or iCloud. And Control Center has been redesigned once again, going from two pages to just one. 3D Touch allowed larger panes of controls to shrink down when not in focus, and Notification Center integrated directly into the lock screen with just a swipe up. Live photos could also be edited, and effects like Boomerang could be added. Maps also received new detailed floor plans of malls and airports with directory in search and browsing by floor, along with navigation improvements like displaying the speed limit and lane guidance so users know which lane to be in before taking an exit. And a new feature called Do Not Disturb While Driving which keeps your iPhone's display turned off and silences notifications if iPhone senses you're driving. You can even allow automatic responses to messages that say you'll respond once you reach your destination. The Home app adds support for smart speakers and uses AirPlay 2 to build multi-room audio throughout your house. But the biggest change in iOS 11 came to the App Store, which received its first major redesign since its original release nine years earlier. A new Today tab was added, so users could easily discover new apps on a daily basis. And the Game category received its own dedicated tab. Not only because it was the most popular app category, but likely also in preparation of Apple's own gaming subscription service, Apple Arcade, that wouldn't be revealed for another two years. Now in 2018, iOS 12 was all about optimization and efficiency, especially for older devices. With Apple being able to offer it on every device that was supported by iOS 11, which at that moment represented the largest base of device support in the history of iOS. But Apple didn't just want to run iOS 12 on older devices, they wanted it to run better. For example, a four-year-old iPhone 6S running iOS 12 would launch apps 40% faster, the keyboard would appear 50% faster, and opening the camera from the lock screen would be 70% faster. Apple also wanted to improve all devices' speed while under load, which they were able to make two times faster iOS 12 was also the first time Apple introduced augmented reality, or AR, to iPhone, working with Pixar to create a new file format that would accommodate the type of AR experiences Apple wanted to deliver. And they created a new app called Measure to demonstrate the practical use of AR. It allowed users to simply point their iPhone's camera at a real-life object and create a line between two points. Then a measurement would be provided. The Photos app received a new feature called Search Suggestions, which showcases key moments, people, and places that are most important to you. And Photos now indexes over 4 million events, like sports games and concerts, so you can search for an event you attended and see photos you took. There's also a new tab called For You, which shows memories, featured photos, effects suggestions, shared album activity, and even sharing suggestions, which intelligently recommends photos you should send to other people who were also at the same event or in the photos. Siri Shortcuts was added in iOS 12, which allows third-party apps to create their own Siri commands. For example, the Tile app can create a shortcut that automatically locates a user's keys when they tell Siri, I lost my keys. And Siri Suggestions learns what you do at what time, then suggests those actions so you don't have to do them manually. Like ordering coffee in the morning, or launching a workout app when you arrive at the gym. And with the Shortcuts app, Users can create their own Siri shortcuts across multiple apps any way they like. The Stocks app received a new design, along with voice memos, and the iBooks app was updated along with its name, which changed to Apple Books. CarPlay was updated with support for third-party navigation apps, and new features were added to iOS to prevent your iPhone from becoming too distracting, like Do Not Disturb at Bedtime, which displays a dark screen while you're in bed and hides any new notifications. And grouped notifications, which prevents an endless wall of notifications by grouping them by app or topic. With just one swipe, an entire group of notifications can be dismissed. Lastly, Screen Time, which sends users a weekly report of how they use their iPhone, sharing how many minutes of time was spent in each app, how many times they picked up their iPhone each hour, and which app sent the most notifications. With this data, users can even set app limits, which will track how much time they've spent each day using an app and even notify them when their time is almost up. Now, the recently released iPhone X brought an emoji to iOS 11, which used face tracking to create fun animated emoji. And in iOS 12, Apple added support for tongue tracking, and added additional emoji like ghost, koala, tiger, and t-rex. Plus, Memoji was added for the first time, allowing users to create and customize their own emoji that best represents them group FaceTime was also available in iOS 12, which allowed users to FaceTime with up to 32 people at once. Now in 2019, Apple revealed iOS 13, which introduced one of the most requested features in the iPhone's history, and that was Dark Mode. Apple even made a short video revealing the feature, something they'd never done before. Dark Mode took the bright white backgrounds of iPhone's native apps and turned them black, which made using the device at night much more comfortable. Not only for the user, but for people around them, since they wouldn't be distracted by the glowing white light of the iPhone's display. But there was more to iOS 13 than dark mode. Apple again optimized performance, so that unlocking with Face ID was 30% faster, app download sizes were 50% smaller, and app updates were 60% smaller. And launching those apps became two times faster as well. And the Reminders app in particular received a big update in iOS 13, receiving intelligent contextual reminders that understands what you type, adding location details or attachments with just a tap, new organization features that associate tasks with a top-level reminder, and smart lists, which keeps track of all your reminders in one place. Apple Maps also received the biggest update since its launch seven years earlier, with Apple using LiDAR on hundreds of planes and cars to collect new map data that allowed them to rebuild the app from the ground up. The results were impressive, with more accurate data for roads, bridges, parks, beaches, and more. And a new favorites bar allowed users to access places they go most often with just a tap. While collections let users save many different places in one list that could be shared with friends. But the biggest new feature was Look Around, similar to Google's Street View that gave users a perspective of what an area actually looked like from the ground level. But Apple's differentiating factor was the smooth transitions as users navigated down a street with Look Around, something that was more choppy on Google Maps. Apple also made privacy enhancements in iOS 13, with new anti-tracking features and sign-in with Apple, which allowed users to create new accounts in supported apps without revealing any personal information, all with the ease of Face ID or Touch ID. And if apps requested your email, users could optionally use a randomly generated email address that relays messages to your real email, so that information stays private. There was also HomeKit Secure Video, which addresses the issue of home security cameras sending video footage to the cloud to be analyzed. Instead, Apple could analyze the video in a user's own home using their iPad, HomePod, or Apple TV. Then it'd be encrypted and securely sent to iCloud where no one, not even Apple, could see it. And since Memoji were becoming more popular in the past year, Apple added even more customization options when making them. Plus, Memoji stickers were also added for the first time, which supported not only devices with Face ID, but any device with an A9 chip or later. Photos added new editing effects that could also be applied to video footage for the first time. And in the new Days tab, Intelligent Organization removed the clutter from the user's photo libraries and just focused on the best shots. With the months tab, users' most important moments are grouped together into events, so it feels more like a diary of their life rather than a wall of random photos. While years shows us users' similar events of that day in previous years, adding a more emotional photo viewing experience. Announce messages came in iOS 13, which let Siri read a user's text messages as they were received. Although this was something that annoyed many people who promptly turned off the feature. But audio sharing was received much better among users, who liked the idea of sharing audio they were listening to with just a tap. And handoff with HomePod meant users could keep listening to their music when they got home by simply holding their iPhone close to HomePod. CarPlay also received a big update with redesigned apps, a new Siri, and a new Widgets dashboard, where drivers could see their directions, audio controls, and Siri suggestions all in one place. And Siri's Voices was updated once again, using a machine learning technology called neural text-to-speech, which made the cadence of longer sentences sound more natural. Lastly, Silence Unknown Callers was added to iOS 13, which sent calls from random numbers, typically spam calls, straight to voicemail, then gave users a notification that the call was received. In 2020, iOS 14 was revealed, which added crucial improvements to the iPhone experience, like App Library. It solved the problem of managing pages and pages of apps that users may forget are even there. App Library took all those apps and automatically organized them into categories. And since users no longer needed those extra pages of random apps, they could easily hide them in jiggle mode. And the introduction of widgets on the home screen allowed a level of customization never before possible on iOS. Picture-in-picture mode was also available, something previously only on iPad. When it came to Siri, users finally got the update they were asking for, with a new compact interface that no longer obscured content on the screen. There was also a new app called Translate, which featured conversation mode, a side-by-side view that automatically detected the language spoken and translated it accordingly. In Messages, users' most important conversations could now be pinned, so they don't get lost in a long list. Memoji received even more customization options, including face coverings, while inline replies and mentions made group conversations easier to follow. And group conversations could now be customized with a photo, emoji, and even a dedicated group name. Apple Maps received a new feature called Guides, which helped visitors in a new city discover places to eat, shop, or explore. In addition to Cycling Directions, which helps users navigate along bike paths, bike lanes, and roads. It accounts for elevation, and even notifies users if the road will be quiet or busy, and if they'll have to carry their bike up a flight of stairs. EV routing was also added to Maps, but it was only available when connected to a supported vehicle, of which there are still very few. Similarly, the new digital car key feature of iOS 14 that allowed users to unlock their car with their iPhone only worked on compatible cars, which at launch was only one, the BMW Series 5. And to help users with the complications of downloading different apps for various places and services, Apple created App Clips, which is a mini version of a full-sized app that could be quickly downloaded the moment you need it. Although even today, the feature hasn't caught on the way Apple expected. In 2021, iOS 15 helped users stay connected, find focus, and capitalize on their device's intelligence, starting with FaceTime, which receives support for spatial audio, making it sound like the person you're talking to is in the room with you. Voice isolation was also added, which used machine learning to block out ambient noise and help your voice sound clearer. But if you wanted all the background sound to come through, you could switch to Wide Spectrum, which enhances ambient noise in addition to your voice so the person on the other end can hear it all. Grid view was also added, which helped make group calls easier to follow, and Portrait Mode, which blurs the background and puts the focus on you. FaceTime links allowed users to plan calls in advance by sharing links through messages, email, WhatsApp, or even through a calendar event. And for the first time, Windows and Android users can join a FaceTime call through the same link. Now, when you're on a FaceTime call, a new feature called SharePlay allows everyone to listen to music together, watch TV shows or movies, and even share your screen. So helping your grandma fix something on her iPhone became easier than ever. And in Messages, links sent by family and friends are saved to a new shared with you area in their respective apps. So Safari features a section of links received through Messages. And the News app has a section of shared articles, allowing you to view these shared links on your own time instead of checking it out straight away. Even the Photos app saves photos shared by other people through Messages and organizes them into your library without you having to do anything. Plus, it's smart enough to ignore screenshots and memes so those don't begin to clutter up your photo library. And with a new feature called Focus, users can decide what notifications they receive at what time. Along with notification summaries, that allow only time-sensitive notifications to be delivered in the moment, while everything else is displayed later in a notification summary. Which can be delivered whenever you choose, like in the morning or evening. And, Apple made it easy for others to see when you don't want to be disturbed with statuses in messages, so they know when to send a message and when to hold off. There's also a new feature called Live Text, which recognizes handwritten words from photos that allows them to be selected and copied. But iOS could recognize more than text. Visual lookup allows animals, objects, and locations to be identified. This also means your photos are searchable through Spotlight for the first time. And rich results for contacts provides more detailed information for the people you connect with most. Photo memories receive more customization options with the addition of Apple Music songs as soundtracks. Wallet received support for a new ultra-wideband digital car key, digital hotel keys, and digital state IDs, something that's still only supported by a few states. The weather app received a big update, with Apple leveraging the technology they received after acquiring the popular weather app Dark Sky, including new weather maps that visually displayed temperature, precipitation, and air quality. Apple Maps received a new interactive globe, more detailed visuals for elevation, a new nighttime mode, and even custom-designed landmarks. There's also a new augmented reality experience to help users walking around a new city or to find the nearest station exit. And in the most recent version of iOS, iOS 16, the lock screen receives the biggest change ever with the ability to customize the typeface and color, enjoy dynamic depth effects, change the photo style, and add widgets, all right from the lock screen. Plus, you can create different lock screens, optimized for various activities. Like one screen for work, and a different one while relaxing at home. But notifications risk covering up the new beautiful lock screen you've designed. So Apple changed the way notifications appear, rolling in from the bottom without obscuring the rest of the display. And live activities prevent live event notifications from cluttering up your device by containing them all in a widget that can be placed neatly on the lock screen. And media controls can also now be contained into a smaller widget format. Since it's possible to have multiple lock screens, Apple allows users to tie them to different focus modes. Which not only changes the lock screen, but also extends to your home screen layout and even into the apps themselves with focus filters. Which lets you filter out distracting content. For example, Safari can show you only work-related tabs while you're in your work focus, then hide them once you're home and activate your personal focus. Messages also receive some highly requested updates, like editing sent messages, deleting sent messages, and marking messages as unread so you remember to come back to it later. And SharePlay can be used in Messages as well as FaceTime, allowing users to text while watching a movie together instead of seeing each other on a FaceTime call. The keyboard's Dictation feature now allows users to switch between voice and touch, making composing a message much easier. The Live Text feature introduced in iOS 15 now supports video, so you can pause a video on a frame with text and select it just like you would with an image. And Camera View in the Translate app allows you to translate live text on the fly. But one of the coolest features is an update to Visual Lookup that can lift a subject from its background and paste it to another app like Messages, allowing users to quickly crop images in a way never seen before. And with Tap to Pay on iPhone, stores can now use their iPhones as a payment terminal. Apple Pay later lets users split the cost of an Apple Pay purchase into four equal payments spread over six weeks with no interest or fees. Apple Maps now supports multi-stop routing along with the ability to view transit fares ahead of time. And with Apple's newfound focus on sports, their news app will feature articles from many prominent sports outlets. Family sharing was updated with easier ways to set up accounts for kids, and it brings requests to messages, where kids can ask for more screen time and parents can respond without ever having to go to settings. And Family Checklist provides helpful suggestions like updating a child's settings as they get older, turning on location sharing, or just reminding you that a subscription can be shared with everyone in the family. And with iCloud shared photo library, friends and family can share photos seamlessly and even automatically by setting parameters of what to include based on location or people in the photo. Multiple people can automatically share photos to a library that completes everyone's memories that otherwise would be fragmented across multiple devices while Safety Check makes it easy for users to escape abusive relationships by having the ability to review and reset access they've granted to others, who might be able to see their location and other data that might make it dangerous to cut ties. So after 16 major releases of iOS, we're now at a place where iPhone is more capable than ever before, doing things that were previously impossible even on the most advanced desktop computers. And only time will tell where iOS will take us in the next 16 years. This is Greg with Apple Explained. I hope you enjoyed this full-length documentary, and I'll see you in the next one.